Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM 90 and is recorded at AC's Washington Street campus. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart and with me is Hillary Holsey. Today, we're gonna be going off the page with author Rye Curtis. We're gonna talk about his new novel, Kingdom Tide, which is available now. Rye, welcome to Check Me Out. Hi, thanks for having me. So Rye, tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you got to where you are right now. Well, I'm originally from Amarillo and I decided to leave when I was about 13. I went to a school in California and then from there, I, you know, lived in L.A. for a little bit. Then I moved to New York, and I've been there kind of ever since. And I've been just writing and trying to get things in front of people so that it might be published, and it happened. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of now where I am. And this is your first book, and it's already gotten a great reception. Yeah, it's been very exciting to see how it all works. And yeah, it's uh, I've written a book before, but it wasn't published, and I tried to, you know, send it out, and then, uh, but this one seemed to hit, so... So what is that process like, publishing? Well, it uh, can be kind of a strange and complicated one, or at least it is for me. Um, it's, you know, so I have an agent who's really helpful, and he just kind of uh, sent out the manuscript to the right people, and then they started to, I was lucky enough that they, um, that several people were interested, and so I you know, Little Brown is a really great publishing house, and so I was very fortunate that they liked it. And the editor there that wanted it was, uh, his name's Ben George, and he's fantastic. So he took it, and we started editing it together. And, you know, that process was very new to me, so I had quite a lot of questions, but he was very gracious to answer all of them. So let's talk about the book. It's called Kingdom Tide, and you learn pretty quickly what that means. So if, if you're a person that maybe not might not know what Kingdom Tide is, which I did not. I didn't either. Um, you will learn what that actually means. Um, can you kind of give a brief, you know, overview of the book? Okay, well, the book is about a 72-year-old woman who is recounting, well, she's 92 as she recounts her time while she was 72, lost in the wilderness, the Bitterroot Wilderness in Montana. And so she is recounting that, and she went through a lot, and during this whole time, she's being pursued by a uh, park ranger named Ranger Lewis, who is trying to find her and rescue her. And there's all sorts of crazy hijinks and oddballs <laughs> that, you know. To put it lightly. Yeah. 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 Oh, my um, God. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's ostensibly what it's about, but uh, I think that that's, in some ways in my mind, that's kind of a ruse for me to talk about a lot of other things that I find interesting, which, you know, themes in the book primarily, I think one of the top ones is moral relativism in some sense, or at least tolerance. We talked about that a lot this morning because we were like, man, there's so many different layers to this book, which would we both really love I also think it's very fascinating that your two main characters are women. Oh, yeah. And they're vo both so different yeah. as far as characters go. It's like two women that would never 
have anything to do with each other or meet each other in any sort of capacity. Did you intend for them to be like a foil for one another? Oh, or was yeah. that your they're kind of counterpoint all the time with each other, you know, it's that's why it's fun to do those parallel narratives and you can mess around with the time during you know, the uh, how they kind of cross paths and and yeah, they're they're definitely thematically in counterpoint too throughout the whole narrative. Every person in this book is so damaged. Yeah. Like, like, I think that was, I, you, and you figure this out very early. Not a spoiler alert, by the way. This is just something you figure out pretty early on. You're like, wow, these people all have so many issues, right? And I think that that's the interesting thing about this book because people start putting away those issues to try to find this woman, um, especially Ranger Lewis, who is probably the most damaged person in this entire book. But, why make them so damaged? I mean, you didn't have to do that, right? I mean, or do you feel like you did? Well, I mean, I think, again, I, that's intentionally done to point to all these themes that I wanted to address. I mean, everybody is somehow lost or misunderstood at some point in their lives and or continually. Um, and so it's each one has some necessary alienating thing that is... Uh, keeps them from being uh, uniquely in touch with other people. So I, I, I think that it's important to have a cast of bizarre characters for this book because, and probably every book that I want to write, because I like the idea of uh, misunderstanding and alienation and judgment. And so if everybody's kooky, then everybody's going to be wondering why each character is kooky. And <laughs> I think it just helps add to the over... It does. And, and for us, the reader, I think it's like, what are they going to do next? Because you don't really know what any, I, I can't really pinpoint how Bloor's going to act. Yeah. I don't know. Dude's crazy. So I don't really know <laughs> what's going to happen. You know, we talked a lot about how you quite expertly use something, we, the Merlot, how that's, she wears that like a badge. And we're like, why do you think he did that? And Amy said something like, well, it's the color because you can automatically identify it on her lips and on her clothes. And <laughs> yeah. you, you, people you, look you, at her and know she's been drinking you, all day. You make a you snap know? judgment yeah. about it's people. Bloodlike. Um, I thought and that was blood -like. so yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I find that's an interesting part too for me because I really wanted to be grotesque about her Merlot consumption in, in the book. And so I, you I did thought, it well. Yeah. yeah. So it is grotesque I, at times. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that, you know, it would just be neat to keep hammering that. And um, she, yeah, it, it is a very visible um, kind of drink to have. So I thought it, 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 I like to have a lot of visual elements too. And um, that's one of them. at AC too and cool. the theory you know that directors there's something of the director in the film is that true for authors what what is you in in the book is it the location I mean Amarillo and Clarendon and things like that are mentioned a lot what what are where are you in this book well yeah that's a that's an interesting question a little hard to answer because I think that anytime anybody creates anything they're in it you know and so um maybe if you're putting up a shelf don't know but um, <laughs> but you know any kind of creative endeavor you're trying to you draw from experiential patterns and you know things you've witnessed in the past and 
either subconsciously or in, intentionally you draw from these things. And so for me, I specifically, um, I mean, I include things that I've noticed over time. And a lot of that has to do with being growing up in Amarillo and um, being around some of my dad's friends. My dad is 82. And so I've, you know, just been around a lot of geriatric, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really nice and interesting people. And, um, you know, so there's, there's quite a lot of that in there. I've read a lot of old letters that um, I found that uh, have to do with, um, you know, correspondence between grandparents and their grandchildren, and you get an older voice in that. And so I start, a lot of me is in there in the research, I think, and trying to figure out what I'm drawn to and interested in. I think that's where me. That helps because we said automatically, Hillary said, he's an old soul. Because you have to, to be to write, to write a seventy-two-year-old woman yeah, from the Texas Panhandle. Like, yeah, we 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 said we know this woman. Yeah, she's I've that, met her at the grocery store. Oh, bless bless your yeah. little heart. That's like yes. that, that type of personality yeah. Yeah. is common here. So yeah, I, and, and seeing the seventy-two-year-old woman throughout the book become more animal-like, become one with nature in a way. A woman that admits in very early on, I've never even killed anything ever. Yeah. Like. And now she's having to learn how to survive. And I love that. I yeah. mean, because it's well, like, I could see myself being that little lady one of these days, like, oh no, <laughs> well, I really wish not. I would have <laughs> went. Yeah, I really hope not. But it's like, I, I understand yeah, that. And, no. but I love hearing you mention the Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and the Little Theater yeah. and Charles Goodnight and all of these things that mean a lot to us and might not mean as much as someone in New York or LA, but it still drives home the very simple life that we all live here and mm-hmm. you know and maybe I, not so simple. And maybe yeah. not yeah. so simple. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And when she starts talking more about her relationships and her husband's relationships, um, it's deep. Yeah, I hope it is. I mean, yeah. I, it, and I think in part it may feel, you know, resonant because of all the uh, details that I, I mean, I think, you know, in fiction to make something ring true or have some sort of authenticity, it doesn't have to be realistic. It can be hyper realistic or surreal. Um, but it does, it is fun to anchor things in certain details or uh there's this good kind of specificity that can uh, lend truth to something and it can be as bizarre as it wants to be. I mean, that's a lot of screwball, screwball comedies that I like are, are like that too. The, just the kooky details seem so real because, you know, obviously that old, yeah, that old uh, common expression that, you know, is a uh, fact is stranger than fiction, you know, so. Well, this had ton. I thought that while I was reading this about screwball comedies, um, yeah, like bring a baby and things like that, where the farce is so out there, it's oh, not yeah. believable, but yet it still draws you in in some way. Cause yeah, you're the fascination surrounding it. I really yeah. like Preston Sturge's screenplays mm-hmm. a lot, so I think that there's some of that. That's awesome. Well, we were talking about it's dark comedy in yes. a lot of. <laughs> scenes and a lot of things that people say and you're like I really should not be laughing at this because this is a horrible time for these people but it's really funny and we we shared one of the moments not to spoil anything it's really early on so I don't think it is a spoiler I mean part of the thing is there is a plane crash we know this she ends up surviving on her own uh when she goes to look at her husband and Uh 
she sees that the jam is still on his chin. Uh, I laughed so hard. I was like, what's yeah. wrong with me? Yeah, this oh, poor good. man yeah. who yeah. has lost his life and yeah. she's still oh. looking at the jam. But, but that's something we would do. You're not supposed to laugh at that. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're supposed know. to laugh at every single thing in the book to me. I, that's the, that's, I'm glad you guys talk about that because to me, I want everything to be a question of whether or not I'm laughing at this um Correctly Silently yeah, yeah, by yourself. Well, yeah, because yeah. to me, um, whenever I want to write something, I want uh, the tragedy and uh, humor to be folded into the exact same moment as much as possible. Because the stuff that I like to read, um, you know, baffles me whenever I get to a point where I can't discern if I am laughing for the right reasons or if yeah. it, or if it's, it makes me uncomfortable and question something why I'm, why I'm laughing. And that's pretty... Pretty fun to do. But the dark comedy. Yeah. It's. We love it. it and, and here's the thing. If you've been through a tremendous amount of grief in your life, it's like that moment where you go, man, why did I just think that I'm a horrible person? Right. Yeah. And she's probably thinking, wow, I just went there. You know, I'm yeah. not even realizing that the, the horror before me, except I'm looking at the jam on yeah. his chin, you know, <laughs> but that's how grief works sometimes. It's like your protection mechanism sure, just against the it. horror of mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And so I thought that was very spot on. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. One of the things we both... I immediately told Hillary when I started reading it, I started right before she did. And I said, I really love his writing style. And she was like, what do you mean by that? And I said, he doesn't use quotation marks. Oh yeah. And so we love this kind of just stream of consciousness yeah. style, consciousness yeah. style where it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. It makes it faster to read for me too. Oh, cool. But yeah, I think, I think that's, happens. but I think if you have a brain, you can figure it out pretty quickly. Who's saying what, you know, yeah. but I really, I, I just like the way that it's kind of every character is just, and they're all messed up, you know, yeah. so you've got, <laughs> they're all just kind of blending together. And why did you make that way. choice? Well, um, so it's, it's an interesting thing. I realized that, you know, it's not, it's, it's a choice that's been made quite a few times before. Um, I noticed it to a degree in Ulysses a long time ago, um, you know, although he does use uh, dashes to separate, uh, you know, quotations or, uh, or reported dialogue. Um, but when you're writing something like this, I, I just thought that I don't really see the need for all of those marks, and it kind of makes the page cleaner to not have them. But, you know, the marks... Quotation marks are there typically because, you know, back when fiction was getting going, people would put it in their work to lend a sense of, uh, you know, veracity to the piece, the fiction, uh, because a lot of people would, that's what you did in newspapers. You know, the reported language had to be quoted, so they used quotation marks for that, but so people would put it in their fiction to make it seem like it was real or maybe from the newspaper or something like that and so that trend just kind of began to stick and so now I realize that's not really kind of a that's not a trope I want to continue of sorts it's not any kind of it seems kind of hackneyed and useless really because you're right anybody that is reading carefully or looking at the page you know sees who's talking who's not it's not that uh, unsettling to 
I, you know, notice who's speaking, I think. And if you need marks to do that, I, I mean, I would hope that maybe you're reading a little bit slower, maybe. I, yeah. I like to read things slowly, so. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the, the artwork on the front of the book? Because it yeah. looks so, it looks like a classic book to like both of us. Classic novel, yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, those were, I think that happened because I gave a lot of references when they asked me of uh, books that were classic. And so... I think they did that to um, appease me, and they did it wonderfully. Uh, the this designer Greg Kulik um, did it, and he's 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 fantastic. I like how subtle it is, and, mm-hmm. and um, the yeah. colors. And somehow, I guess us all being from the Panhandle, I look at it and I see colors of the Panhandle as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like nice. I immediately thought I was like, wow. I know it's a mountain uh-huh. picture, but it's it looks like the Panhandle to me. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I saw that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the red um, because it keeps coming up thematically. Hey, you know, it's kind of Merlot. A lot of purple, purple too. Yeah, Yeah. I noticed that. What did you learn about yourself when you wrote this book? Oh, well, that's a, well, uh, probably that, you know, you learn lots of stuff, probably going through a lot of characters and creating people that are unsettling, so... I maybe learned how to feel more tolerant in certain ways, or I practiced uh, trying to imagine what it would be to be tolerant of all very terrible, terrible <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, just trying to come to terms with how to sympathize with ostracized monsters of society and I thought that that would be a fun exercise and and some and you know to put myself in the perspective of um, an elderly woman teaches you a lot about that I think too and how she had to break down a lot of inculcated uh, morality that she had grown up around particularly since she's a conservative church-going woman you know and um, she had to readjust her moral paradigm to take into account a lot of outlandish and upsetting you know things so I think that I had to do that along with her so I think that comes across I I, I there's a lot of empathy in the book yeah good yeah I hope it's a hopeless empathy too I don't want it to be (laughs) mawkish (laughs) I like it it to have you know double edge to it Let's talk about the reception of this book because you've had uh, a couple of things that have been right off the bat, really good responses to your book, including yeah. O Magazine. Oh yeah, yeah, that so was tell that us was about that. Cool. Yeah, I don't know too much about it, honestly. I kind of I, I think, think they just like they picked you as like the yeah. January book of the month, right? Yeah, I know that much, but I don't but know much beyond what like how it they got a hold of it. Do you know how that happened? Uh, well, I'm you know my publicist is fantastic and works really hard to get it in front of a lot of people, and so and the marketing team, just the team at Little Brown, you know, are very well adept at you know doing this thing, so. I'm sure it came from them. They don't keep me in the loop of every single move that they make because I think that so much is happening beyond my scope that I would just be a hindrance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it's fantastic uh, to get just emails pop up and say, hey, look what cool thing happened. And, um, you know, I really, to be honest, haven't followed much of contemporary publishing industry stuff for you know, up until this point, I've, you know, and I still hardly do, but, 
it's um so it's all kind of beyond me and so when something happens i kind of need explanations and but this one yeah the, the i'm grateful for all of it it's been really beyond what i imagined would happen and so i'm very very happy especially for your first novel. yeah that's, that's awesome the thing. Yeah. and you know a lot of people that i really respect have given me some of the best uh, you know, praise and just encouragement. And um, that's really important to me. And, and I, some of the reception is, the, some of the best reception has been the negative stuff because that, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, to me, I really like that. The, I learned about this website called Goodreads when this started happening. And that's a really funny website to peruse <laughs> because it, it blows my mind. I don't understand some of it and I don't, you know, and then I, it's just such a interesting, and I don't really know how I feel about, I don't really like social media in general. I've never had any up until this point and and so I've just it's been interesting for me to navigate that and to peruse that website and some of the best reviews have been the ones that people kind of are up in arms about something in the book and usually what they are calling out is something that I very much think is the most important part of the book or really <laughs> very yeah. integral and so I and so wow. that's always reassuring to me because it's kind of I'm kind of a contrarian in a lot of ways. So I like that when that happens. It's kind of, so it's all been really fun for me. You know? I'm glad. Yeah. I, I read some, I went on Goodreads last night. Oh, yeah. after I finished the book last night. Oh, um, cool. Thank you. And uh, I, I, of course, looked at the one star reviews. Yeah. Like, Why not? <laughs> what they hate about it? They are pretty wild. And someone was saying something about like your the repetition with Merlot. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. you kind of missed the point entirely like oh. that that's what most of the one star reviews were we'll mention yeah. that too yeah i, know I find that yeah. and that it's it's interesting because and that's something i've learned from friends that are writers too um a great friend of mine you know uh, uh, james hanaham who's been very helpful to me and kind of a mentor um he and he's got a great book called delicious foods which you guys should read it's also on little brown um but he you know, would always point out that, you know, you, you, you learn from these, if somebody is responding to it in a way that you've intentionally wanted to include in the work, then it's still good, whether or not it's a negative or positive response. And I remember having a conversation with him about that at one point, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've been doing is just looking at everything and it's been amazing, but, uh, but yeah, I've stopped looking now on Goodreads because <laughs> I, I looked for a little bit, but now there's too many, and it would just yeah. be bizarre. Well, yeah. there there were like around four thousand at this point, oh, and there yeah. there there are a lot of great ones, uh, oh, more good. than the bad. So you're you're doing a great job. Oh, good, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what if someone came to you and wanted to turn this into a film? They wanted to adapt it. What would what do you think about that? Well, they have. Um, and so I can't probably or probably shouldn't talk too much about it, but that is going on in the moment. That's so We're cool. fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I thought about it the whole time. I mean, you paint such a clear picture. It's very cinematic, I think. Oh, cool. It's yeah. very cinematic. Yeah. Well, I, I like film agree. and I, yeah, I've written several screenplays, so I've practiced doing that probably, you know, when I was young, I wanted to do that more than anything and also write fiction novels, but, um, but yeah, I'm glad that that cinematic quality kind of comes across. That's nice to hear. Did yeah. you actually have people in mind as you were writing this, like a person for each of these characters? 
You mean uh, in terms of people in my real life that they're based real life, on? Or, yeah, or just anyone. Um, or what they no, look like? or No, well, I do have ideas of what they look like, but nobody that's referential in real life. But the, um, I mean, that's not, there's, you know, pieces of it. But um, like my grandmother, uh, I see her like a distorted version of her um, and as Chloris. And there's, you know, every character in fiction is some sort of Frankenstein of people you've met and uh, and encountered and people you've seen on TV. And, <laughs> and where and where did this idea about. come from? I mean, what did it just fall out of you yeah. or like what happened? Well, I I mean, I'm always trying to have ideas and keep them organized in a book and try and use them so it, it ended up in there I had I but I remember starting to flesh out the idea more when you know several years ago I lost somebody that I cared about very much and at that time I was very low and kind of just in a weird fog and so I kept thinking about stories that I would want to do that would deal with grief and about and deal with a lot of these confusing questions that I was asking myself about guilt and morality and why people do what they do. And so I used, I thought Chloris would be a perfect vehicle to do that along with Ranger Lewis. Um, so Because the, it's a common theme among pretty much everybody in that book is grief. Yeah. yeah everybody has sort of really loss. lost somebody. Yeah. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. in one way or another. And, and putting somebody in a grief moment, but then being like the grief has to play second fiddle to surviving yeah. now. So it's like taking that worst case scenario well, and doesn't like it turning always? it on its head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's a good point. It does always and to a degree, unless you're going to just wallow and, mm-hmm. you know, melt into a little puddle. But there were a couple of times that I, as I was reading it, I was like, man, you obviously have been through some grief. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you can't, I don't think anybody that hasn't been through that level of grief, you can't ride it that way. Yeah, maybe not. Um, and But yeah, it certainly did come out of that. So we typically on our regular podcasts that aren't off the page, we have people recommend books to read. Oh. Um, so maybe a good jumping off point would be to say like, who are your favorite authors? What what books do you read? Well, I, I guess I'd mentioned that Delicious Foods book uh, by James Hanahan. And, um, uh, but, you know, I, I like to read uh, you know i haven't been reading a lot of fiction lately but i've i really well charles portis just died and he's you know a hero of mine um he you know wrote true grit and uh, masters of atlantis and um uh, several other great books but um he's he's fantastic and then uh, you know i but i haven't i've been mostly just reading a lot of uh, research stuff that's based around uh, local histories. Uh, um, some of them published by their, you know, the people that write them. These self-published little narratives that they think are important, and they're usually elderly people that do that. And I, I love coming across those. Um, I read a book called uh, Old Mobiti, which is about this area. It's a little historical book. I read that recently, and it's a collection of. Uh, different news items from the 18 late 1800s <laughs> from this and that's pretty wow. great and it's fun to hear to see what people are angry about and having <laughs> and yeah. discussing in the newspaper um but 
yeah, I haven't read any new books lately. No, I haven't read a single, you know, new book out lately. So sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're that's good. I only um, read old things too. So yeah. this is, like, your book is the the newest book I've read in a in long a while. time. So. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you have an all time favorite book or author? Uh, no, I don't. But I, you know, I like a lot of different authors that I I, I like. Uh, I'm, I was reading some letters by Flannery O'Connor the other day because people kept mentioning that something about my book was similar to Flannery O'Connor, uh, and so I spent time reading that a little bit. Um, so, And I'm starting to like that a considerable, considerable amount. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't really have one. I think I would say, uh, you know, like I mentioned Charles Portis, uh, probably I do like James Joyce a lot. I used to read a lot of Dickens when I was a kid, and um, you don't hear that often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I know yeah. that's because that's thanks to my mom and my grandmother. They loved Dickens, and so we, you know, it was always just around, and so I kind of forced myself to rise to the occasion and read it way before I probably should. But I, it, I think that's an important thing to do for people is read books that you don't understand until you do. Even children should do that in my mind or if they have the opportunity. Where do you usually write when you're writing? Oh, I just write flopping around my apartment in different positions. <laughs> just I always find myself kind of balled up in a pretzel in some kind of place. And I don't, you know, it's just... I kind of just roll around. I don't really, I don't leave the apartment because I am not, I don't like to read in front or write in front of other people. Uh, I don't, I don't know how people do it. Sometimes I look over and see people doing that in coffee shops and it always seems a little bit performative to me though. (laughs) Do you write like handwritten or do you type? Well, I do a little bit of both. I take a lot of notes when I'm reading things that I think I might want to, you know, pull from or Um, And I do that handwritten in different kind of notebooks. And I keep a little notebook with me all the time that I have um, just series of ideas. And and so I do that all with a pen. But then I do most of the main prose on a computer. And what do you do when you're not writing? Uh, Not much lately. (laughs) Um, But it's it's all pretty much been writing uh, or doing stuff to, you know, help this The Kingdom Tide book come around. Well, we both really enjoyed your book. We did. I, I well, really, I much. really did. did. From the first paragraph, I knew I was going to love it. Yeah, me too. It was just, good. Yeah, it was a good hook. It was a good hook. Yeah, and um, you just you have a really great way with words. I I think you painted such a, a great picture. Thank you. So I recommend this book definitely. I do too. Um, my grandmother asked me to read it out loud to her last night. <laughs> yeah, to be careful about um, which yeah. parts. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked you know, her, I was like, what? Uh? She was surprisingly okay with a lot of the things that you might think a grandma wouldn't be. And she thought Cloris was hilarious. Oh, so she's 87. So oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, she was very into it. So I think she'd recommend it too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, well, we appreciate you coming on and good luck with everything. And uh, I know you mentioned earlier you're working on other books or you're wanting mm-hmm. to. Anything that we can expect soon? Uh, I don't know how soon because all the process takes a while. I mean, I sold this kingdom tied about two years ago to little brown so you know if i even sold the book i'm working on now by the end of this year to somebody um it would be 
couple of years probably yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm working on something now, and hopefully, you know, I like it, and other people do too. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rye Curtis. The book is called Kingdom Tides. Check it out. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM 90 studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. Special thanks to Scotty Vanderford, Colin Lutz, and Stevie Brashears who designed our really cool logo. Also a huge thanks to the Mag 7 for providing all of our music. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.